Welcome to From the Median, a daily report from the front line of the pro-life movement, discussing two worldviews that are driving our culture in opposite directions. From the Median asks, which side of the road are you on? What direction do you want our culture to go? Tune in as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. And now your host, Molly Smith. Welcome back. I am Molly Smith, your host. I want to remind you all that our program is available for download. You can do so by going to our website from themedian.org. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us. We have with us right now Joel Malik, who is the author, doing lots of authors at the moment and just love it. And I actually am, I, I bumped into someone the other day who said to me, Molly, you have to stop doing authors because my bookshelves are overflowing right now. So, <laughs> so Joel, Joel's book is going to go there. It's Joel and Alec Lippert put together a wonderful book called After Work, an honest discussion about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams. And I know many of you are looking at those types of things. Well, you know, what do we do? What do we do after work? What do we, what, what happens then? Joel is a partner at, at Everoak Wealth Company in Colorado Springs. He joined the financial service industry in 2001. Joel has graduated with a degree in finance from Seattle Pacific University, where he played collegiate soccer. Joel and his wife, Holly, have six children. That's the best part of you, Joel, I have to say. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Yes, thank you so much. I'm excited to be with you. Absolutely. And what does a finance guy do writing books? This is a, this is wonderful. Tell us that story. Yeah, well, the, I actually had no interest in writing a book. But, you know, when we would meet with our clients and they would get to that retirement moment, right, we had figured out all the financial pieces and now it was going to happen. They would normally ask, hey, do you have a, a good book to recommend? And, and what they meant by that was not the financial piece because we had already done that. They meant the, like, I need to think about what am I going to do? And we didn't have a good one to recommend because they all kind of had some axe to grind or, or a financial strategy to sell. And we needed something that we felt like would really help guide people. And that was kind of the genesis of why we originally wrote it. Now today we've stepped into a whole, uh, you know, much bigger picture with the book that is unfolding in this current moment, which I'm excited about. But that was kind of the original. Uh, reason I decided, hey, we got to do this. You know that that's so true, and and I think um, I, I know when my husband and I went through, you know, planning for our retirement, the the the, the financial planner that we used as well. He is funnily enough, he also wrote a book, and and it was it sounds like mm-hmm. very similar to what you said. You know, he he was experiencing that whole thing of, and he couldn't find a book that would that would answer the question so he wrote one as well so i guess it's sort of something that goes together because you are you're dealing with human life you're you're dealing with uh, the 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 change of as i would say it's almost and i having gone through it ourselves it's as challenging and exciting and all that kind of stuff as it is when you first get married i mean there's a whole new way that you've got to live so it's it's very similar to that so tell us a little bit yeah. about that you you talk about the fact that um we we changed the way we looked at our lives and certainly our future since the pandemic um why how i think, I think there's this uh this big deficit between uh what people could do with their future in their time and then the impact they can make at that stage of life because they're so gifted and, uh, you know, they're battle tried. They've been through a lot. They have a lot of wisdom. They have a lot of time. There's so much value that you can bring, but we've kind of convinced people that it's sort of time to step away from, um, you know, make it a little more about you, 
you've put your time in, you've sort of lived your purpose. Now it's time to relax a little bit. And one thing I know for sure is that the more you make it about you, really the less fulfilled you become. And the more you make it about others, uh, the more benefit you actually get from it. And so part of the retirement lie is this, this flipping of the script, so to speak. Um, now I'll tell you, I'm all in favor of having some fun and doing some unique things. We live in a beautiful world um, and that's great, but that should really be the garnish on the dish and not the main entree. But we've been told that like the garnish is sort of the main thing to pursue. Um, and what I've seen that has really been, you know, sad is that people have been well underutilized from what they can do. And they're the ones that end up uh, being unhappy because of it. And so we're trying to help people understand this can be a beautiful season. It can be everything you dreamed it could be, but it's just going to be different mm-hmm. uh, than maybe the way you dreamt it up. And I love the marriage anal- analogy you just gave, that honeymoon stage. The first stage of retirement is unbelievable. Um, it's kind of everything you thought it could be because you're getting all the honeydews done. You've got, you don't have to go to that Monday morning meeting. Uh, but then eventually the long winters roll in. And you begin to ask yourself, is this really all there is? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've seen that happen. And, you know, I actually funnily enough met met somebody just uh, last weekend uh, who said that she she tried to retire and she found she'd started her cocktails at lunchtime. So she said, "Uh -uh, I better go back to work. Yeah. So this is, this is exactly what you're talking about here. So, um, you know, and, and you talk about the fact that, uh, there is a retirement lie. And I'm, I'm, I think this is what, this is where it is. You know, this whole thing that we, that we're going to live in a honeymoon and it's not going to happen. That's just ain't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we have a kind of a one hour presentation we started doing for churches and different uh, corporate organizations and things. And, One thing we talk about is it's important that you reshape your expectations. It it doesn't mean retirement's going to be bad. It just means we have to be realistic. You know, there are a lot of tough days ahead in retirement. Um, You experience a lot of loss, whether it's loved ones or health. Uh, You no longer have this built-in structure of work, which you thought was kind of an annoying structure at times, but you learn when you're looking back like, oh, wow, maybe I should have appreciated that more because I had built-in hardwired relationships every day, and now I'm, I don't even want to leave the house at times. I mean, there are some real headwinds, and if we know about them, then we can prepare for them. It's kind of like the idea of if I embrace the storm of my life that I might be in, I can see it as something that can make me stronger. But if I'm trying to hope storms don't come and sort of skirt them, I'm in a much different posture than I need to be. And so part of this is just expecting something different because we sort of built it up to like this big dreamy mm-hmm. time where we don't have anything that we have to do and it's it's going to be enjoyable. Well, yes, yeah, some of it is, but but the majority of it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Why when as we as we go forward, I mean, you you talk a little bit about you suggest that there is a big difference and and this this I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that you've picked up on this. There's a difference between happiness and meaningfulness. I've always, I, you know, I think I, when, you know, when I, when that was addressed, I've, I'm, I'm thinking that's the same thing. Why is it not the same thing? Yeah, I think happiness is, you know, a very Western kind of mindset. Like if we, we pursue happiness, 
we think we're going to find it. But in reality, our idea of happiness is uh, success, accomplishment, you know, having enough wealth that we can do whatever we want in retirement. We don't have to work or maybe that second home on the beach that you always wanted. Um, and I don't I'm not disagreeing with this. I think this is a very prevalent kind of human nature thing that we've created. Uh, a house on the beach sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> me, too. That would be wonderful. Yeah, it's just I already know that it's not why we were created and therefore it doesn't bring meaningfulness. Meaning so OK, I get it. happiness is trying to gain something and meaningfulness is trying to change something. Um, and so the clients that I work with that, you know, life isn't perfect. It's still ups and downs. It's not like they're, you know, living in this uh, dreamland all the time. But the happiest clients that I have aren't pursuing happiness. They're almost always pursuing meaningfulness, which I can't tell you exactly what it is for everyone. But I can tell you that it generally has to do with improving the lives of others instead of improving your own. Huh. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. Because I think you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, that's, that's one of the things, um, as we go into these days where we are controlling, that's something that, that we've really got to make an adjustment. There really is an adjustment yeah. there that we go through. Yeah. Just spent 40 years in a career where I felt like I gave all of me and then some. Yeah. Um, and I need some time. And I, I'm 100% in agreement with that. What I believe we need to get better at. And we don't go into this much in the book. I wish we would have. And some of this stuff comes out after discussing the book over and over and hearing other people's stories. But what I think we need is a a time of rest, almost sabbatical-like, after we retire to just know, I need to decompress. But then what do you step into after that? You have to have that piece figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because once there's going to come a day where you're like, okay, I – I'm totally separated from work now. I feel decompressed, but like this can't be the rest of my life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I, and I've, I've heard this from so many people because I'm also, you know, we're in retirement. I wish I, I had retired. I, I am retired, but I'm doing that some of that meaningful stuff now. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's what it's, it's yeah. meaningful. But yeah, you know, that you're absolutely right. I think that's exactly what happens. You, you, you encourage, the the reader the 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 consumer of your book to look at our lives and lives and choices backwards Mm -hmm. tell us about that yeah i we've kind of coined the term a little bit since then but the whole uh essence of this is is in the book we call it the deathbed decision decision matrix (laughs) which just sounds cool um but a good way to take an audit of are you doing things that are leading to meaning and impact and legacy or are you filling your time with some things that are fun and kind of distract you from your greater purpose? And the the whole way to audit this is to, you know, I like to picture myself uh, with, you know, God willing, I have the opportunity to be there with my family in my last days, uh, a time to reflect and what are the things that as you're reflecting that you're going to wish you had done more of? And what are the things as you're reflecting, you're going to wish that you hadn't spent as much time on Um, and just start making a list. And one thing I'm certain of, because we've heard this over and over in this Harvard study that we talk about in our presentations and feedback is it really comes down to, I wish I had spent more time 
with the people I love or making a difference in other people's lives in less time on the things that I thought I wanted to do in retirement, huh. which would be things like golf and pickleball. And it doesn't make any of those things bad because I like pickleball. I like golf. I, they just can't become your, your main piece. You know, they have to be sort of uh, ancillary to the stuff you're really filling up with, uh, which is going to be impact and legacy on other people's lives because no one at the end says, man, I wish I would have just played one more round. <laughs> yeah, that would be very funny. I'm dying on my bed now, please. I would, yeah. I, just let me live so I can play one more round of pickleball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is a yeah. small little twist I'll give you, but uh, maybe instead of just going and playing that round of golf and trying to shoot a great score and enjoying the beautiful day, which is all wonderful, maybe you go on mission a little more, meaning the people you're golfing with, you, we know for a fact that they have sorrows, they're struggling, something has happened in their lives because it's, it happens to all of us. Can we go with the intention of figuring out what that is and seeing how we might be able to pray for them or help them hmm. and still maybe shoot a good round? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. You know, it's funny. I have a, I have a, I have a wonderful young co- um, uh, member of our pro-life team here in, in, in Ohio, a young man in his forties. And uh, I, we were, we, we gone on a, on a trip to DC and we were tra- coming back in the, we were meeting with people and working on, on things we were working on. And on the way back in, in the, um, um, what do you call those Ubers? On the Uber driver, this young man just started asking him about himself, and he was the the, the the Uber driver was an immigrant, and he just started to ask him and saying, you know, well, tell me a little bit about what what, what do you need me to pray for you? You know, tell me some of the things that you'd like me to pray for you about. And I, I was like, wow, how wise is that? I mean, the, the man just opened up. He just gave him, you know, told him some different things. And he was Muslim and, and, you know, my friend was Christian. And it was just, it was wonderful to see, to see somebody being able to do exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I think that's a good example of, of, of that, that whole idea of reaching, uh, you know, reaching out. So wonderful, wonderful. Great. Yeah, I'm, I, I love that yeah. story. I, you know, I have to tell you, I feel like we overthink our purpose. We we almost don't do anything because we're trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. It's like paralysis by analysis. Like yeah. who who am I going to be in retirement? Well, I can tell you right now, if you just go out with an open mind each day looking to minister to people or uh, meet their needs in some way, you're going to find more purpose than you ever thought possible. Yeah. It's going to be unique every day, but I'm telling you right now that you can put your head in the sand and you can make it all about you and what you need and what you get. And I'm guilty of this too. I have to check in on this frequently. Um, but if you open your eyes and your purpose is, Lord, what, what door might you kick open today? What, what conversation, what cab might you put me in that yeah. I need that you're calling me to? It's unbelievable. The things that he'll open your eyes to in yeah. the way you'll feel like I'm really being used and I'm just going about my business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That was what I absolutely, I totally agree. You, you talk about as well in your book, um, that people, you encourage people not to burn energy on things that they can't control. Give us some examples. Yes. <laughs> this is the one I'm trying to heal from myself. Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm a financial advisor for Pete's sake. I mean, my job is to control the variable. 
Yeah. yeah, it's this one thing I heard a prominent psychologist speak a number of years ago. He said the underlying current for all of my patients is that they're all trying to control something they can't control. And the way this manifests itself more often kind of in my area working with retirees is it comes into trying to control investment returns, trying to time the market based on uh, the fact that we might have a political election coming up or they don't like the government or they don't, you know, in retirement, you're not earning any more money. So it's, it's especially stressful uh, when the market's going up and down. Um, and they want to kind of control that because of the news cycle and things. And it ends up controlling them is what happens. Um, you know, I've learned the more you try to control something, the more control you give it over you. Exactly. And so a very simple example of this, this is just me, my personal story. And something I try to encourage my clients with is I have an investment um, person that helps me here in my office. Um, and so I don't check my investment accounts. Um, you know, when, when he needs something done in it or he sees a tax loss harvesting opportunity or a withdrawal needs to be made, whatever it is, he'll come and talk to me about it. Um, and then I'll do an update once a year, just mainly for my wife in case something happens to me. But I try to stay out of it. I try to stay out of, um, you know, kind of the intense events, like all the political mumbo jumbo back and forth, because, what those things do between the financial markets and the political markets, they really just invoke fear in us. And we can't do anything about them anyways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. You know? And even when things are going well, I don't want that to be the reason that I'm feeling good today. So um, true. So true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly right. And that's, you know, sometimes we, we lose sight of that. So that's this is great. The book, of course, is called After Work, An Honest Discussion About the Retirement Lie and How to Live a Future Worthy of Dreams. And the author, I'm talking to one of the, the co-author, Joel Malik. You can go and I will, will give you where to where to purchase it. I'm sure you can get it at Barnes and Nobles. I'm sure you can go on to um, Amazon. Is that, am I, am I listing off the right places? You, you got it. And we <laughs> put a conversation guide in the back because we learned the book does really well in groups. So if anyone needs for, uh, you know, they're in a group, people are over age 50 and it's a, it's a fun topic and it gets people engaged in yeah, really good yeah. discussion. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things that I, I wanted to cover as well is, is that you, you encourage us, the reader, to embrace what makes us uncomfortable. Why do you do that? Tell the listeners why. Oh, that's where all the fulfillment comes from. I mean, there's not a time in your life where you've pushed yourself outside your comfort zone and looked back and said, boy, I wish I didn't do that. Um, you know, we're, we're built, I think, in my opinion, to kind of push past the fears and the things that make us uncomfortable. And when we do that, oh, man, the amount of impact we can make and confidence we gain um, – you know, it's I think people see retirement as an opportunity to stop stepping into discomfort because they they had to do that during their working years. They were some ways forced to. And so this is their time that they don't have to do that anymore. We think that's a real big mistake. Um, you actually want to push yourself outside of your comfort zone intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, and we talk about some things in the book that you need to like use your calendar well to protect your purpose and it's not rocket science, I guess, but it is a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And, and it's, and it's, I, I guess it's more, 
you are you are in control of what happens in your life when once you retire and i think that's sometimes the scary thing for a lot of people is that they you know while while they did want that when they get it it's oftentimes quite scary because it's like a, yeah, this is all Exactly right. One of the things, and, 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 you know, I, I love this piece too, that you, you actually spend a whole chapter on faith. What do you, why is this so important? <laughs> well, you probably picked up on, on some of my comments, but yeah. you know, I'm a believer and I, oh, me too. Is, yeah. The, this is a Christian program. So this is why I'm yeah. bringing it up. <laughs> it's a faith based book, yeah. but we didn't want to be obnoxious either because we want the non believer to be able to read the entire thing and be like, hmm, maybe that's what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Um, because people will admit, you know, hey, retirement's not filling that bucket I thought it was going to fill. And it's like, well, that that missing link can only be filled by your creator at the end of the day. So apart from faith, it's really hard to live on purpose. Um, and so we're hopeful the book can be used almost evangelistically. I mean, if you had you know, a group of people you knew weren't believers and you wanted to kind of read through the book with them. That's why we created this conversation guide. I mean, it's a great way to engage in conversation around faith and, you know, how you view your eternity has a massive impact on how you live each day of your life. And when you know that you're going to a better place, you don't have to make retirement so much about you. You can be comfortable serving other people. We're here on a, on a mission. This isn't meant to be a time of just pure enjoyment, you know, and so how you view your eternity has all the impact on how you live your life today. Absolutely. And, you know, this is what Christ said. He he created us with a purpose. You know, what God said in in the in the Bible, I mean, we have a purpose. What is our purpose? Let, let you know. Let's find that purpose and then do it because it. And and I I firmly believe it has to be God's purpose because for me, otherwise, I'm not going to be very a, a very happy Molly Smith. So I have to do no, have to look for it. And, yeah, and people look 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 for their purpose. And what I would just encourage them is just love the next person differently than maybe you would have. Yeah. Had you not thought about that being your specific purpose, your next interaction, you know, what are you going to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like my young friend who, you know, didn't take the time to talk about himself. He took the time in the, in the cab to talk about the cab driver and, you know, tell me how, how can I help you? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Final question. You encourage us to let a sense of awe pervade Mm. our conscious, A-W-E, awe. Wow. Why do you do that? It's almost impossible to be in a bad mood and have awe at the same time. That's a great one. I'm loving this book. I'm loving this book. Uh So I try, and this is one that's easy to implement. Some of them are a little harder. They take some more time, but this one you can take with you wherever you go. Even if you're doing the same drive to work every day or, or whatever it is, but there's so much beauty. If you just take the time to stop, you know, my youngest daughter, she's five and she loves animals. And so right now we're reading, reading a lot of animal books and I'm just looking at these books going, this is unbelievable. Like the way God has created living things, you know, from trees to just everything around us, but we just take it for granted all the time. We just, it's just normal. So we don't pay any attention to it. But if we can just say, you know what, I'm going to be filled with awe today as I drive to work mm-hmm. or as I'm in work or whatever I'm doing. And it just changes you. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. You're so right. I I had this big thing after after very stressful election in the last round of elections. I decided that I and everybody was complaining, and I'm sort of in a leadership role here in in Ohio. And people would call me up, and I said, you know what? Today I am intentionally happy. So please just remember that when anything I'm going to talk to you about today is going to be intentionally happy. So yeah. My husband gave me a shirt with. If you wait till you feel happy, yeah. You're going to be waiting a long time. Exactly, exactly. What a great book, Joel. Honestly, this is this is wonderful. Folks, go out there and get it. It's called, again, After Work, an honest discussion about the retire and how to live a future worthy of dreams. Joel Malik is the author together with Alex Lippert. Thank you so much, Joel, for coming on the program. So appreciate what you've done. God I bless you lots. Lot yeah. A lot of fun talking with you today. <laughs> okay, God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Thank you all for joining me this evening. As I say goodnight and God bless each and every one of you, I'd like to close with the words of the Holocaust survivor Elie Wiesel. There may be times when we are powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. From the Median is listener supported. Visit our website, fromthemedian.org, for further information or to make a donation to continue to make this radio program possible. Email us, radionews at fromthemedian.org or call 440-668-4049. Through our fromthemedian.org website, you can download this or previous programs for your listening pleasure or sign up to receive our weekly preview of upcoming guest interviews. Tune in every weeknight at the same time to listen to another great interview on From the Median as we plan the route that takes us back to the culture of life. This program has been sponsored by Cleveland Right to Life and is responsible for its content.